0: Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church podcast. 539 Church is a new church in Goodyear Heights, Ohio that's inviting friends into family. If you live in the Northeast Ohio area, we'd love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. For more information about us, including our service times and live stream information, check out the links in our show notes or visit us online at 539.church. That's F-I-V-E 39.church. Please take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look incredible today. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look incredible. Nick said, I look great. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you look almost as good today. And if you said that opposite of your spouse, you're in trouble on the way home, so I apologize. That was not uh, planned. Hey, my name is Mike. I want to thank you for being here. I serve as the pastor uh, here. Hey, just a great time of singing together, isn't it? That we sing that, yeah, amen up here. Uh, Give it up for the Lord. How about that? You guys are clapping a little bit. My rule of thumb is if I hear three claps, we run with it. So if you're on your own, I don't know what to tell you. So, uh, man, just singing about that God gives us every breath, that really in Christ alone he holds us, amen. And so... Uh, man, today today is a heavy day. I want to thank you for coming to church. If this is your first time, I'm sorry. Uh, we're right in the midst of it. I don't know why this happened. It just kind of did. Last week I was preaching, and we're in this series, uh, Canceled Conversations, because you can get canceled for preaching some of this stuff places, and I was like, hey, let's do this series. And last week I was preaching on abortion, and I was like, hey, bring all your friends. We're preaching on hell. And I was kidding, and so a lot of you didn't think I was kidding. I had more text messages, phone calls, emails, whatever it is, I'm bringing all my friends, they've never been to church in their life, and I was like, oh no! Um, so thank you for coming, thank you, thank you. I apologize up front, but uh, we're in this series called Taboo, um, really, I'm, I'm gonna preach on hell today, uh, but next week, if you'd pull up that QR code for me, Caleb, if you wanna submit a question, um, we're gonna be just doing a Q&A next week, Uh, panel format. It'll be Pastor Craig, myself, uh, Gavin, and my wife. Uh, We're going to answer questions primarily around the whole sexuality thing, uh, but then also whatever you send in. Someone's like, oh, whoa. Um, Yeah, so whatever you got, and we'll answer around five questions. Um, So that'll be next week, and we'll cap it off, and then we'll kind of get into a normal rhythm. Uh, And and really, I've been like apologizing all week. I don't don't know why. It's just kind of how it's happened. Uh, when, you know, someone told me, hey, I'm coming, this is my first time, I was like, hey man, why don't you come in like two weeks? Like, like come in two weeks, because this isn't the normal flow. Uh, but it is very, very necessary. I've been uh, arguing with the Lord all week, fighting with the Lord all week, and how many of you know he wins, um, and he should win every time. If you're gonna take an L, it's with God, and so uh, when it comes to his word, so that's what we're gonna do. <clears throat> um, taboo, let's, let's define this real quick. Taboo means this, <clears throat> sorry, It's a religious custom forbidding discussion or association with a person. Um, What we've been saying is, hey, there are some things that the culture in the world has labeled taboo or just in church. Um, If you've been around for a while and there's things that pastors won't talk about um, churches won't talk about it cause they're scared or it's taboo. And we're saying, Hey, nothing should be taboo when it comes to God's word that we'll preach on. It. If it's in the word, we're going to talk about it. Uh, told you, Hey, we'll preach on sex in February. That one you should bring all your friends to. So anyway, uh, there, I've got a woo in the back back there. Um, But hey, for us, we'd say, hey, there's nothing off the table for us. There's nothing that we're not gonna talk about. And so I don't know if you came today for the donut. If you did, those Krispy Kremes are good, amen. If you came for the topic, if you came uh, for whatever it is, I'm just thankful you've come. And what you need to know up front are a few things. Um, It says in 2 Timothy 4.2, this, it says to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season, to reprove, rebuke, exhort. And it says this, with complete patience, that there will come a time when people don't want to hear that they'll have, they'll they'll look for teachers to suit their own passions, whoa. Um, In that time, uh, I believe is, we're kinda in that, we're in an out of season time in our culture, and and really what I'm gonna ask you, and you don't owe me this in any way if you're new here, is that you would allow me uh, for the next 30-ish minutes to pastor you, um, to share my heart, to share my perspective. If you disagree with a lot of what I say, uh, you, can, you can come here. We want you here. If this is heavy, um, I've been praying all week and really don't want to preach this message at all, to be honest with you. I've preached three messages on hell in my life. None of them have been fun, um, but I'm, I'm just going to ask that you would give me permission and just to hear some things um, because I, I deeply believe that this topic is the one that is going to draw you closer to God. I believe that with my whole heart. And really, I was 18 years old, and I gave my life to Jesus with a sermon on hell. And, and my heart is not to scare the hell out of anybody or to scare you. Like that, that is, That's not my heart. I'm not that guy. I'm not going to scream and yell and whatever. Um, but, but my heart is to hopefully draw you and I closer to Jesus. Now, this is true. Jesus Jesus didn't come to condemn, <clears throat> but he also didn't compromise. We'll talk about condemn at the end in John 3.17. Um Jesus brought a message, and here's what is important for us to know. He didn't run away from topics because of people. Um, he didn't condemn people in the same breath, but he also, he also didn't compromise. And there's really two major things happening today that are popular. Um, and pull up that next slide for me, Caleb, just, just while we're in it. I, I believe this. This is my personal opinion as a pastor. I hold no weight anywhere else or I'm not trying to. I just believe that a literal eternal hell is one of the most abandoned teachings of our day, uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, there, there's a lot of reasons. I got an amen from the baby. Come on, he's helping me out. She is. Here, here's what's important. <clears throat> there, this is this is why. The first one is this. It's called universalism, and we're just going to jump right in today. Um, the first one is universalism. It's this. Hey, at the end, God is going to take everybody, and He's going to say, "Hey, I was just kidding." Like I didn't mean what I said. I, I didn't mean all that. What? Hey, you're all in. You're all in. Like everybody just come at the end of the day. And I love that. Like I I really love that. Like I think that is awesome. But it's not in the Bible. Um I, I want that to be true. I really do. Like if, if I was God, what I would do is that. Uh, but, but we can't find it in the word. And then the other one is called annihilationism. Now, these are big words. You gotta Google them and ask Google to pronounce it for you to say it in a sermon. But anyway, is that at the end of the day, God is gonna take people who rejected him and just basically cast them off into the abyss. That there's not a, there's not a real eternal soul. Now, I have a lot of problems with that. We're gonna jump into that. Uh, but, but really, there, there's a few things about this. The more people <clears throat> believe in heaven than, than they do hell. Um, Jesus preached more on hell than he did heaven. If I was more like Jesus, I'd preach 35 times a year on hell. I don't know if that would work or not, but that's what he did. And so more more people believe in heaven than hell. Years ago, people used to think that pastors and church leaders invented the idea of hell to control people uh, and make them do things. And, And here's what happened. I believe this is true. People have abandoned the idea of hell because there was a time and a season that was like the hellfire and brimstone season for churches. I don't know if you remember this. Um, it was like every week, and it was like, whoa, and pastors were screaming and yelling, and it was just a lot, and there was there was conviction there, but there was no compassion, and so what I will say for us is this, that we want to have a strong conviction um, with deep compassion. Um, I, I have no agenda today, but simply to honor God with his word, and hopefully show you how much I believe Jesus really loves you and has a plan for your life and and wants you to follow him. Um, And so I believe because of the hellfire and brimstone season, what happened was and where we are today, um, pastors and people, they've just abandoned the whole thing. They just have thrown it out or they don't talk about it. And then when you press them, they don't really believe in it and and all that stuff. And so I thought, hey, why not after our church's one year birthday, like, why don't we just go there? Like, and just go there. And, And there's a few reasons why, but Um, This is true just in life and with the Bible. If you want something to be true, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is, right? It says in Proverbs that there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of what? Death. And so have you ever softened the truth? Have you ever like lightened the truth just a hair Uh, because you wanted to help someone or you had good intentions. Anyone else, like, um, it wasn't like how you said it or, you know, it was not what you said, but it's how you said it. Any married people in the house, like, you said something. I got one over here helping me out. I got a few. Like, you've said something. It wasn't what you said, but it was how you said it, where you said it, and then you're in trouble. Um, That's happened to me on a daily basis. But what is also true, I got some hands coming up. The wives are, are jabbing them. So, uh, I, I got permission from my wife. This was uh, right after our honeymoon. We're, li- or we're leaving our honeymoon. Been married five days. I mean, we're just literally the honeymoon phase. Where we are, they have like great coffee and all this stuff. And I'm weird. So I like, you know, go like no coffee or caffeine for three weeks to like, you know, decompress off the addiction or whatever it is. So I, I do all that. And then my wife's drinking coffee the whole time. And I was like, hey, is it good? Is it like I'm like trying to smell it? You know what I'm talking about? And she was like, no, it's terrible. And so we're going to leave and, and we're at the store and she starts like grabbing coffee bags to buy. And I looked at her and I was like, hey, what are you doing? And she has these coffee bags and she's like, I lied to you, the coffee's amazing. I was like, woman, on our honeymoon, you built our marriage on lies. No, here's, here's what this is true. Sometimes in marriage, or how many of you, you've lied to your kids? Like you've softened the truth. They're like, is there any ice, I want ice cream. I'm like, there's no ice cream in this house anywhere. You can't find it, girl, but it's there. Anyway, confession. So here's, here's what happens. You and I, we soften the truth for good intentions. Good motive, good heart, but the reality is we can't, we can't do that with the Bible, and we can't do that with God's Word. So um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to jump in. If you've got a Bible, Luke chapter 16 is where we're going to be. Uh, my goal is to teach through Luke 16, 19 to 31, answer a bunch of questions, and then uh, do all that in 25 minutes. And so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We're thankful, God, for your word. I pray that anything I say is totally from you. Anything that I, ha- that I say is not of you, would it be forgotten? And Lord, we just commit this time to you. We pray that, Lord, however we've come in, for the person who needs encourage, somehow encourage them. <clears throat> the person who needs to hear from you, would you speak to them? And God, would we leave being closer to you? In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Okay, if you're ready for Luke 16, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Nice, you guys know, oh, go back, my title. I have a title for this sermon, Hell No. Um, I, I was a middle school pastor, and I wanted to preach a series called Hell No. It's not like saying it like that, it was just Hell No. I wasn't allowed, and so there's my shadow side. Hell No is the title for this sermon. Um, I almost called it to hell with the hesitation about hell. So anyway, Luke chapter 16, here we go. Uh, <laughs> 19 to 24. Being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish and in this flame. <clears throat> so I hope you came to church to be encouraged today, right? Um, here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, Jesus is teaching a story here, and I don't believe it's a parable, I believe it's a real story with real lives because he's using a name Lazarus in Abraham's side. And so I believe this is a real place. Um, What you get is a super, super sad interaction here. Um, You have a guy who um, in his life he received good things and the other one who's poor and then they die. The the one goes to hell, the one one goes to heaven. And then we're seeing an interaction. Um, He's calling out, he wants relief and he says, "I'm in anguish in this flame." Um, I, I take what is called a literal approach to the Bible, meaning that that I don't think this is just some fictitious place Jesus is trying to scare people with. I think it, that that hell. It, it says in verse. Uh, it, it says in verse 16, I think, it, or sorry, no, verse 18, that this is in Hades. Hades is referring to the place of the dead in the Greek, and over 11 times in the New Testament. This is the place, the Bible teaches, where people go before Revelation 20 at the great white throne. Um, Hell is a real place with real people um, with real pain. And and, and here's the deal. There's two other verses here I wanna pull up. It's in 2 Thessalonians 1.9. It says, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And then Matthew 25 says, and these will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. There's two things that are eternal that, that we experience. It is the Bible says in Psalm 119 that the word of God lives forever. And then you and I, that we have a soul that, that you and I will live forever and ever and that God is eternal. You and I are eternal as well. Now, here's what is also important. If I had the time, maybe I'll do a podcast on this for our, not in the notes, but hell is not going to be the same for Everybody. Um, it says in Matthew ten fifteen that there are some people that reject Christianity and Jesus over time. They've had revelation after revelation. Hell will not be the same for that person. In the same way, in the same way, when I teach on heaven, heaven will not be the same for everybody, that they will experience, they will have a different experience in heaven and also a different ex- experience in hell. The Bible teaches that. Now, here's, here's what I believe, here's what I believe, and just hear me out once I say it, that hell is a gift of grace from God to mankind, Um, A lot of us don't think that way. Like if you and I were God and we had the chance to be capital G, um, the first thing we would do is take that idea away. If there was one teaching, if there was one doctrine that I could abandon with a clear conscience, that I could cut out, that I could erase, that I could change, it would be this teaching. It would be the teaching on hell. I don't know how you don't preach on hell all week or preach on Hell and Sunday and all week, not be sick to your stomach. Like, literally, just the idea breaks my heart. And when you think about it, <clears throat> but here's what we have to do. You and I, sorry, you and I have to say this I am not God, and I have to take His word and I have to place it over my life and say, I am under the book. God, this doesn't make sense. This is so not, this doesn't feel like love. How how does this, how do we reconcile this? Here's why I think it is a gift of grace because hell is where God takes all wrongdoing and he makes it right. God's attributes is that he is loving, kind, gracious, holy, just. And he has all of those attributes at the same time. The main reason, we're gonna talk about the reason God created hell and what was his original intent, but here's what you have to know. All wrongdoing against God and mankind will be made right in hell. Let's continue on in the passage in verse 25. It says this, But Abraham said, Child, so, so these guys are having this interaction. They're talking back and forth. Verse 25, he jumps us in the scene. Child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed. Pull up the next slide for me, Caleb. A great chasm has been fixed. In order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. So two two things here. This is important, so important. Jesus is not teaching that if you're rich, you will go to hell. If you're poor, you go to heaven. That's not what he's teaching here. You gotta remember some context. So if you pull back, In Luke 16, if you look up in your Bible in verses 13 and 14, he's talking to religious leaders and he says in verse 13, he's saying, hey, you cannot serve God and money, that you will either serve one and hate the other, that their hearts were so prone to money. It says in Luke 16, 14, that the Pharisees who were lovers of money, He's talking about, hey, and then he gives them this story saying, hey, you, your guys' heart is so much for money, you can't follow me. You love money more than you can and you can't more than you could submit to me. So he's teaching this principle to them. And then, and then he does this. What he's teaching is this, that once we die, our destiny is fixed, meaning it is stapled. Um, kind of the, the saddest part or the hardest part of this whole thing, and I want you to hear my heart in this is that it says in Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed for man once to die and then comes judgment, that God will give us throughout the entirety of our life the opportunity, the availability to respond to him. And when he gives that to us, if you and I reject it, once we die, our destiny is fixed. He says, hey, there's a great chasm fixed. The crazy part about this story, I wish we had more time to talk about, how is the guy in hell gonna talk to the guy in heaven? Like, like, how do they see each other? How do they have this interaction? How can you be in hell and see someone in heaven? He, he's in hell and he's seeing, and you wanna know something that will just shatter my heart, is what if, what if you and I can see the people we didn't share with, man? What if what if we can see the people and, and know the people, God, God, they're not here, I, I didn't say anything. I, didn't, I, I was so scared, I didn't know the right stuff. I, right, like, for you and I, this, this is why, this is why, man, these family cards are so important. This is the heartbeat of our church, is it's for people who don't know Christ. This is why. I mean, trust me, if, if hell is not real, I'm not a pastor. There's better stuff to do on Sunday, isn't there? Like, if you don't, if, if there's not a hell, it, it, I mean, you could watch the Browns. I don't know if they'll win or if they're good or if that's a bad analogy. You could play, it. you could watch football, you can go golfing, you can get a boat, you can hang out with your friends, sleep in, shoot. Here's the deal. If hell is not real, if hell is not real, what are we doing here? What are we doing? And so this is the heartbeat of 539. This is the thing that God puts in our heart for us to see, hey, this is why we do what we do. Without this, hey, we want people far from God to come to heaven. There's a great chasm fixed because once you die, it's appointed for man once to die, and then comes judgment. He continues on in verse 27, and he said, then I beg you, Father, so he's asking for relief. Trust me, if there's one thing in hell you want, it's relief. He's saying, "Hey, send him to dip the thing, dip my tongue. I just want relief." And then he shifts. He changes it. And he says this, "Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. Here we go. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment." <clears throat> I think one of the things that we see here when someone goes to hell, the one thing they're gonna want is no one else to be there. No one. I mean, he changes from, I want out of here, I want out of here, to don't let anyone else come. But Abraham said, and this is what's hard, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Hey, do whatever it takes to get their attention. You ever prayed that for someone? Hey, someone rise from the dead, write it in the sky, do this, whatever it takes, God. He says, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Here's the, the hard part about this thing, too. There, there's a lot of hard, heavy things about this. Um, for, for these people, they had complete and total what's called revelation, that God was real and Jesus was the only way. So they had the Old Testament and the prophets. They had Jesus right in front of them, like right there, the, the, the Jewish people. Jesus is right there as the Messiah doing miracles. How many of you have said, if I could see Jesus in Bible times, I would follow him? It would just make my faith increase. How many of you ever said that? You just want to see it. And they saw him and what'd they do? They rejected him. And then he says, if someone should rise from the dead. And how many of you know that our Savior rose from the dead to give us? Yeah, you can clap for that. I'll give that one clap. There we go. We'll feed into that. Here's the deal. You and I have total and complete revelation from God that he is real, that he loves you, and that there is a heaven and there is a hell. So here's what I'd like to do. Here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to answer two questions, three-ish if I have time. Um, but but the first one is this. The first one is this. Why would a loving God allow there to be a hell? Because it doesn't make sense. And here's what you need to know: in the Bible, the original intent and creation was not that there would be a hell. The devil and his angels or demons rebelled against God. The Bible says that God created hell for the devil and his angels or demons. Um, demons and angels, they cannot experience forgiveness on any level. Uh, they know more about God than you and I ever could. They just don't submit to God. Um, they're angelic beings. They, they don't have the same opportunity as you and I. It says in 1 Peter 1 that angels long to look into salvation because they can't experience it. You, you and I get to experience eternal life, and we'll talk about that. But why would a loving God allow there to be a hell? The original intent was not, was not, for you and I, but it is a result of us rejecting him. And so the second thing is this, sin against God demands a consequence. Talk about this all the time, and it's important for us to know and hear this on a regular basis. You and I sin against a holy God more than we have ever sinned against anyone else. It says in Psalm 51, four, against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned, David said. You, you and I have sinned against a holy God and their demands to be a consequence or a payment back to God. This is why, he, this is why hell is invented and created, but the original intent was not for you and I. Second question is this. Jesus doesn't want anyone to go to hell, but should we want there to be one? Um, here, here's the heart. I think my natural, I've been kind of talking about this for a moment. The natural response is I don't want there to be one. But but here's what's true: when you dig into it from a biblical standpoint, and even logic and reasoning, we should want there to be a hell. We should want there to be a hell, and there's a few reasons why. Because there needs to be consequence, and and I'm going to talk about it in four different ways. Four different ways. Um, Here's the consequence that there is no hell. Number one is this: you don't have a free will. Um, <clears throat> Jesus, they didn't take his life from him. He gave it up for you and I. No one had authority over his life. Jesus chose to go to the cross for you and I, and then he gives you and I a choice to follow him. How, how many of you know it's better when someone chooses to love you and is it forced to love you? Um, if there is no hell, I don't think there's a free will. God is just, he, and here's what's true, some of us forget this. God doesn't have robots, he has kids. Um, He doesn't just control us and make us do what he wants him to do, and I'll talk about that in a second. He gives us an option and a choice, saying, hey, choose me. I think giving a choice to someone is the most loving thing you can do. And then when you do give them a choice and they choose you, you know they love you, right? Number two, there's no justice for sin. Um, What hell does and how, how God explains it in the scriptures, all wrongdoing, all injustice, not just to God but to mankind, Every wrong that you and I have experienced, seen, every evil is made right in hell. Without there being a hell, there is no justice for sin. Even the ones that you and I look at, and we are just, how could God allow such evil to happen? With hell, it has brought justice. Number three, God is a dictator, not a good dad. And here's, it goes in line with the choice aspect. Um, some people want God to be a dictator, and I'm not sure. I know why, but but there's a, there's a few things about it. I call it cat in a sack theology. You don't want to you don't want to answer for any of your sins or wrongdoings or anything that's happened to you. You just want to blame God. Well, God did that. God did that. Some people will be like, oh, you know, God's after me. I ran out of gas in my car, and I'm like, fill up your car, bro. Um, that's not you can't blame God for that. But he, he, here's how this plays out. Um, <clears throat> God is a good and loving Father and he gives us the opportunity to respond to him. He doesn't override your choices. He gives you an opportunity to pick him. And then number four, which is the best one, the cross is not needed. If there is no hell, why would Jesus go to the cross? If there is, it says in Galatians 3.13, it says this, that he took himself the curse for our wrongdoing. So, so Jesus did no wrong, you and I did the wrongdoing, and then he takes our place. It says in Romans 5 this, that it says, we are saved by him from the wrath of God. Here's what the, I'm gonna try to explain this as simple as I can. If you've come to church, you've never uh, followed Jesus, if this is your first Sunday and you're really confused, hone in right here. This is, this is what we're trying to get to. <clears throat> when you and I sin and do a wrongdoing against anyone else, what Jesus does is he comes and he lives the life you cannot live. And he absorbs the wrath of God that is meant for you and I in the cross and resurrection of Jesus. So we say we are saved. How many of you hear Christians say all the time, I'm saved. When would you get saved? How would you get saved? Where would you get saved? You guys are like, what are we talking about? A word doc or what? Like, what, what does it mean to be saved? You know, saved, born again, follower of Christ, Christian, whatever. Here's what it means to be saved. We are saved from the wrath of God in Jesus. That's what it means. Pull up this next slide. I want to talk about heaven. And hell, here's here's how this goes out. Having a home in heaven, here's how you know for certainty, is asking for forgiveness for our sin against God. God, would you forgive me? I've sinned against you. Hell is paying the payment for our sin. It's saying this, my sin and your sin, all of our sin, individually, collectively, as a group, has to have a payment for it because God is holy, right, and just. God is so loving He says, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send Jesus, send Jesus to die on the cross and rise from the dead. You put your faith in him, and he will absorb all the wrongdoing that you have done, and he will give you all of his righteousness, that you can stand right before God. That's all heaven and hell comes down to be. Do I want to pay for my sin against God, or do I want Jesus to take the payment for sin? Now, I'm gonna transition here. This is a question I had a professor ask me around 10, 12 years ago. Cannot get it out of my head for the past 10 years. If, if you could experience hell for 30 seconds, what would be different about our lives? Um, It's just a heavy question to ponder, isn't it? If you could, for 30 seconds, experience separation, torment, what is different about our life? I mean, I've got this written down. I've, I've, I've prayed on it. I've sat on it. I mean, all week, because I've been studying for this. I, you just see people, and I mean, I'm talking with my wife. I'm like, it just is so, like, it just changes everything. Like, I, I'll preach on heaven at some point. We'll do a series on it. And we'll talk about it. But hell changes everything. Like, the trivial things can go. Like, the chase of money or success or uh, being scared about our world and, and all that stuff. Everything can just go. Like, when you see people you're like less annoyed about them and you're more so praying that they would come to know Jesus, if you could experience hell for 30 seconds, if God would give you such a gift, what would be different? What would be different about your life? And that's why I use this phrase is that we raid hell as a church. We don't run from it. We are emergency responders. We run into hell. We run into hell. We save as many people as possible and we run out, bumped, bruised, banged up, you name it. We're not gonna be a church that's scared of darkness and it's like, man, it's really bad out there. Those people really hate God. What are we gonna do, right? We want Jesus to come back like by the end of this service, right? Uh, here, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna run into hell and save as many people as possible. And here's the scripture we get it from. It's Jude 1, It says this, saving others by snatching them out of fire. I love the analogy. Jesus came, Jesus came, I believe, to raid hell, not run from it. We run and we save as many people as possible to others show mercy. Here's the the analogy for you and I. We want to rob hell and populate heaven. That's why we started this church. That's why I believe God leaves us here. For some of us, if I were to ask you the question, hey, when do you want Jesus to come back? Some of you, you want him to come back today, don't you? Right? Some of you, by the end of this week or by the end of next week, you have a time on, Jesus, please come back. And I think in the scriptures, we need to say, hey, Jesus, not yet. Please don't come back yet. Don't, don't come back yet. Because why? There's more people. Jesus, we want to gather as many people as possible. It's in 2 Peter 3, 9. It says this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, meaning he's speaking to followers of Jesus. Hey, he's patient toward us. Why is he patient? Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Jesus doesn't want anyone to go to hell, and neither do I. I don't want anyone to go. Jesus, give us more time. Wait. Hey, just wait. Give us a second. Hold on. Hold on. Hey, there's more people that we want to see come to know you, and it was Charles Spurgeon who said this. This quote I've been sitting in all week. I'm probably going to put it in my office. Would you throw up this slide for me, Caleb? Charles Spurgeon said this, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap, leap to hell over our dead bodies. Let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, begging them to stay. If hell be filled, let it be filled with our warnings. Let no one go unwarned or unprayed for, amen? Isn't that what we want? Hey, God, we don't want any, if anyone has to go, I wanna be begging them to come to Christ. Hey, would you follow Jesus? Hey, here's the warning. No one goes unwarned or unprayed for. And because it is fitting and we have to, we're gonna end with John 3, 16 and 17 which says this, for God so loved the world. If you've read this before, you've heard it. <clears throat> um, put, I, I think you put your name in there. For God so loved you, he so loved you that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, go to hell, but have eternal life. And here we go, the best one. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. This is why, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He, here's, the, here's the deal. Jesus loves you so much. He knows everything about you. He knows where you've come from, how you got here, everything. And he is a good father who draws all men unto himself. Let's pray. I'm gonna give some of you here an opportunity to respond to, to this message. Um, some of you in this room, you, you've been, a lot of you, you've been following Jesus for a while, and I pray that as a result of our time, your hearts would just be stirred up that not only do we share Christ, but we would live differently because because of this truth. Would you give us deep compassion? Jesus, would you restore tears to us? Would we not be scared? Would you give us tears for people who don't know you, people who are far from you? God, I confess we're apathetic, I get it. I'm I'm apathetic toward people that you've called us to reach and save and, and share with them. So God, would you restore our heart? And if you're in this room and I've explained this, hopefully with clarity to you, You've been coming to church for a while, or maybe your first Sunday, and you've never, you've never accepted the forgiveness of Jesus for the wrath of God that's meant for you. You you don't have a home in heaven. I'm gonna give you that opportunity right now. There's nothing magical about my words or what I'm doing, it's your confession to God. The Bible says that you would confess your sin against God, that you believe in Jesus, the work he did on the cross and that you commit to follow him. So you you can just do that right now in your heart of hearts. I've had people making this decision this morning. It's why we started this church. That's the reason we're here. That's the reason God put us here, is for people like you. You you cry out to God right now. And if that's you where you're sitting, I'm gonna ask you by the expression of your faith, would you raise your hand and saying, I'm praying That prayer, I'm asking God to forgive me of my sin. Would you throw your hand up wherever you're at? Awesome. Anyone else, wherever you're at? Just throw it up and say, God, I'm, I'm asking for your forgiveness. Amen. The Bible says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who don't need it. And God, we believe, we believe that we want to make heaven louder today. God, we thank you for this truth. We thank you that you're a good father. We pray this in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Would you guys stand as we sing another song together?